Welcome to the Pharma Letter Podcast. I'm Simon Wentworth, Digital News Editor at the Pharma Letter, and this week we'll be discussing the potential impact of decentralized clinical trials. During the COVID-19 pandemic, we've seen increased adoption of this kind of study as part of a general movement towards greater use of innovative digital platforms for collecting and distributing clinical data. As well as improving the experience for patients and doctors, the approach could enable researchers to collect data in a faster and more efficient manner. It's perhaps no surprise then that the number of drug trials with a virtual or decentralized component exceeded 1,000 in 2021, a 50% jump from the previous year. According to analysts, 2022 will be another record year, with around 1,300 such trials expected to initiate. However, given the tightly regulated nature of the industry, how far can we expect this kind of research to replace trials conducted within a more controlled clinical setting? With me to discuss these issues is Francesca Rinaldo, Director of Clinical Quality and Innovation at ShareCare. What is decentralized clinical research and how is it differentiated from traditional clinical trials and observational studies? Decentralized clinical research is really a new way to conduct both interventional and observational research that utilizes advances in technology to communicate with participants, enroll them in studies, and collect the necessary data. This type of research can be conducted in either a fully decentralized manner or as a hybrid model where some of the data collection is still conducted in person at a research site. Traditionally, clinical trials have been fully site-based, conducted in brick and mortar trial sites and requiring participants to conduct clinical visits in person on a very specified schedule in order to participate. Additionally, the data collected um, with this modality um, in traditional clinical trials was often collected in an analog manner using manual paper workflows. So shifting to decentralized methods of clinical research using the wide variety of digital health technologies that are now available to collect real-world data and in turn generate real-world evidence has a few differentiating factors and key advantages. Um, First, this approach is much more participant-centric because it really meets participants where they live and work rather than where the researchers are concentrated. Um, And this allows them to contribute and participate in clinical research without having to disrupt their lives or incur the time, expense, and inconvenience of traveling to a research site. This also allows for a much richer diversity of participants because it removes some of the key barriers to participation. Second, instead of collecting data on an arbitrary operational schedule, these new methods allow researchers to collect the data in a way that is much more in tune with the natural history of a disease. Uh, What's more, because this approach leverages data collection from smartphones, wearables, and other medical devices, the data can be collected much more frequently or even continuously, giving research 
researchers a much more complete picture of the participants' health and their lived experience of a disease or a new therapy. Overall, I would say these key differences help to accelerate the cycle from research to care by streamlining enrollment, increasing engagement and retention of participants, and increasing the validity of the evidence that's collected because it comes from a real-world context from a much broader, more diverse population of patients. So if I were to describe the difference between decentralized clinical research and traditional site-based methodologies in a single sentence, I would say that it's like watching a movie instead of taking a snapshot with your camera. For our listeners who aren't familiar with ShareCare, perhaps you could say a bit more about, you know, what is ShareCare? What's the business model of the company? And, you know, within pharma and biotech, who are you working with and what are their particular needs? Absolutely. ShareCare is a digital health company that was established 11 years ago by our CEO, Jeff Arnold, who was also the founder of WebMD back in 1998. Our business model is to provide tools and solutions to a wide spectrum of stakeholders across the healthcare continuum, including health plans, employers, pharma and biotech companies, and even consumers. Our flagship ShareCare platform is smartphone-based, and it's really incredibly comprehensive. It integrates clinical programs for prevention of man- and management of chronic diseases, health and lifestyle coaching, and dynamic original content and clinically validated digital therapeutics in areas such as anxiety management, smoking cessation, and weight loss. And it helps consumers improve and manage their health. Ultimately, our mission is really to unify and bring empathy to the consumer's healthcare experience and to empower them by giving them the tools and information they need to make high-quality healthcare more accessible and more affordable all in one place. In terms of the pharma and biotech clients that we're working with, we're really doing some exciting work in this space. First, as part of the ShareCare platform, We provide digital solutions for patient engagement, education, and marketing for pharma brands such as Gilead, Sanofi, Novo Nordisk, in order to support their go-to-market and commercialization efforts. Through our content and our platform, we access um, patients very extensively. We have nearly 100 million lives across 200 unique health conditions, and our pharma clients really leverage this to access um, um, patients for their marketing and clinical trial recruitment efforts. In addition to this, what I'm really excited to talk about is our newest vertical called ShareCare Clinical Research, for which we've just launched our flagship product called SmartOmics. What we're seeing in the market in terms of client needs is that our clients are moving towards incorporating real-world data collection and observational cohorts into their research and development process, as well as their post-marketing surveillance studies for newly approved therapeutics and devices. In fact, um, I recently saw uh, a press release that the market for real-world evidence solutions is projected to reach $2.3 billion by 2026 and hit 14.4% compound annual growth rate between 2021 and 2026. So this is a huge and very hot market. They are especially seeing the value in incorporating real-world data that's collected via decentralized methods, such as electronic participant-reported outcomes, or what we call EPROs, participant-generated data from smartphones, wearables, and other connected devices. For instance, capturing real-world data can help them to understand how 
the efficacy observed for a therapeutic in clinical trials, which is, as you know, a very, very controlled setting, might translate to real-world efficacy and clinical use when applied in the context of patients with multiple comorbid conditions, varying lifestyle factors, and a you know, variety of um, therapeutic adherence profiles. Moreover, adding real-world data can enable a much more nuanced understanding of a disease and identify novel endpoints that are relevant to specific patient subpopulations. So to get back to your question, what we've observed in the market is that even though the advantages of decentralized methodology and the um, use of real-world data to generate real-world evidence are very clear, there's still a lot of unique challenges to conducting this type of decentralized observational research. First of all, it can be very expensive and time-intensive to build and deploy these types of custom studies with technology partners. And even when a study is built, it's not scalable or easily repeatable as a process. It often requires working with multiple vendors to pull all of the necessary pieces together from recruitment to e-consent to the e-pros to the offboarding for the study. And this leads to difficulties with vendor management and even vendor fatigue. And then even when recruitment is expanded beyond brick and mortar sites to digital channels, enrolling and retaining patients can still be really challenging. And so our product, SmartOmics, is a next generation platform for conducting smartphone-based observational research to collect real world data and generate real world evidence at scale. And it's ShareCare's answer to all of these challenges. You mentioned that this decentralized approach can lower barriers to accessing clinical trial research. Is this approach particularly suited to one therapy area or another particular kind of therapy area? I, I think that this approach can be applied to a number of, ther of therapeutic areas, and there's really a lot of potential um, for expansion of the research questions. Uh, but what, in particular, where we're seeing a lot of interest is in the following areas. Rare diseases, neurology, immunology, behavioral health, and oncology. I think some of these therapeutic areas stand to benefit enormously from the adoption of decentralized research methods and real-world data collection. Um, for instance, we know that clinically, sleep is impacted in a number of behavioral health conditions, including depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, the list goes on. Traditionally, participant-reported outcomes on sleep have been collected using analog methods like paper-based surveys, uh, you know, asking participants to recall their sleep patterns over several months or years. So you can see how incorporating sleep uh, as a real-world data stream, for example, from a wearable device into a decentralized studies could get researchers a really truly objective measure of this important health signal while also collecting the data on a much more longitudinal and granular level than ever before. Obviously, regulators have you know, established processes for reviewing evidence. This is a relatively new form of evidence collection. And I'm just wondering, in your view, how are regulators disposed for processing this kind of evidence as part of a formal review process for new medicines? That's a great question. Exploring the potential for real-world evidence to inform regulatory decisions is actually mandated in the U.S. by the 21st Century Cures Act. And the FDA has issued 
draft guidance. Um, it's freely available for anyone to um, read on their website to encourage the industry to submit real-world evidence as part of regulatory submissions, including for the approval of new indications of previously approved drugs. So I would say regulators are increasingly recognizing that real-world data and real-world evidence are critical pieces of the puzzle for making regulatory decisions on new therapies, indications, medical devices, and also for monitoring post-approval safety. And in some cases, I think we've already seen, especially in the pharma industry, how real-world data can accelerate regulatory approvals. So for example, some companies are using real-world data as external control arms to their trials, which can reduce the number of overall participants required for enrollment. And it also gives a better representation for the standard of care when the therapeutic landscape is really variable or um, alternatively, if there's no standard of care um, in existence. Others have had really great success gaining approval for new therapeutic indications using real world evidence, avoiding the time and the cost of running a full clinical trial. Uh, although we we're seeing more and more of this data and regulatory submissions and we're seeing some success, I think as a whole, the industry is seeking more clarity from regulators on a number of different topics, including how to standardize the data, standards for data quality and integrity, and then standards for training, monitoring and compliance requirements related to implementation of new real world data collection methods. Just on this question of um, accessing different patient populations and diversity, I understand that the FDA has some guidelines on this. What are the FDA's diversity guidelines and how can real world evidence of this kind decrease the risk of gender and racial bias? I love this question. So you're right. The FDA has issued guidance to recommend approaches to increase enrollment of underrepresented populations in clinical trials. And this guidance reflects recommendations to increase diversity, both for demographic characteristics like age, sex, race, and ethnicity, and um, as well as other non-demographic characteristics um, like patients with comorbid conditions, organ failure, or disabilities who traditionally aren't included in clinical trials. In general, I would say the FDA has recommended broadening eligibility criteria for trials to ensure that the study population reflects the population of patients who are likely to use the drug um, once approval is granted. So this can be facilitated in part through trial design, for instance, by including adequate numbers of women in clinical studies to conduct analyses by sex or by conducting early pharmacokinetic studies in women who become pregnant during trials if it's considered safe. However, diversity can also be increased by taking into consideration the logistical or patient-related factors that could limit participation, especially for racial and ethnic minorities. And these include the financial costs of participating, like the travel, missing work, care for dependent family members, the disruption of family and community obligations, poor access to research sites, and generally the mistrust of clinical research. And so... Decentralized methods and real-world data really have a, a role to play here because the FDA has recommended incorporating a number of strategies to take into consideration these patient-related factors, including making participation less burdensome 
in part by using decentralized methods to replace site visits and provide investigators with real-time, real-world data. I think in general, there's great potential for real-world evidence to decrease gender and racial bias in the development of novel therapeutics, but obviously we still have a long way to go. There's mounting scientific evidence that sex, race, and ethnicity play a role in the response to medical products on the basis of both intrinsic factors like genetics and metabolism, as well as extrinsic factors like diet, lifestyle, environmental exposures, and social determinants of health. So making sure that underrepresented populations are not only included in clinical research, but that the data collected is in the context of their real world lived experience will ensure that future therapies will have the safety and efficacy profiles that benefit all individuals, not just the ones that were traditionally included in clinical trials. We've seen uh, during the pandemic, there's been increased adoption of digital tools generally. Have you Uh, noticed that the pandemic has accelerated the adoption of decentralized clinical trials research? Absolutely. During the pandemic, we learned that decentralized methods are no longer a nice to have, but they are a must have. Uh, Our smart omics team has successfully completed several fully decentralized observational studies during the pandemic in therapeutic areas, including myasthenia gravis and epilepsy. And because our studies were conducted end-to-end on smartphones, allowing participants to enroll and contribute their data without ever having to travel or interact with a member of our team face-to-face, we had no significant disruptions to our study protocols during the pandemic. On the other hand, for traditional site-based clinical research, the pandemic has resulted in longer enrollment times, amended protocols, halted protocols and problems with participant retention due to lockdown orders or the fear of exposure to the virus, among many, many other issues. As a result, uh, many sponsors are undertaking steps to move towards hybrid or fully decentralized studies, including adopting patient-facing technologies for recruitment, enrollment, and study data collection, protocol redesigns to include decentralized methods, investing in new talent and the skills and knowledge to implement these methods and new partnerships with technology vendors. So at ShareCare, we're really honored and ready to be part of this movement, and we're committed to providing the industry with leading technology to accelerate decentralized real-world research. Well, I think that's about all we have time for um, today. It's a very interesting subject, and uh, thanks again for taking time to speak with us today. Thank you, Simon. Really appreciate it.